the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is apparent to me that David was expressing a reality in his own life. And he said in Psalm 27, verse 10, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Isn't that great? David understood. Uh, we don't know much about his mother. And we don't know a whole lot about his father, except he was really a poor father who neglected him and didn't think very highly of his own son. David said, if that happens to me, and it did, then the Lord will take me up. That's just a great, great truth. And it ought to encourage you as well. God brings people into our lives for specific reasons and at specific times. Bill Gothard has made the statement that people who meet for the first time are divine appointments, which neither knew about. In many situations, that just may be the case. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He has been serving in that capacity for over 27 years. Pastor Steve has begun a series on the life of David, the greatest king in all Israel. In his study, Pastor Steve will take us from the time when David was a lad tending sheep for his father to when he became king over the nation of Israel. David was identified by God as a man after God's own heart. Now here's Pastor Steve with a special message for each one of you. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff with a special message about why people like you choose to support verse by verse with their prayers and financial gifts. It's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you hear on Verse by Verse. If you've been blessed through Verse by Verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. Or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Steve. We know very little of David's parents other than the time in which Samuel sought for him to be King Saul's replacement as directed by God. David's parents were forced into exile to live in the land of Moab, which would make seeing them difficult. The Bible makes mention of David's parents' death in the land of Moab, but other than that, the scriptures are silent concerning David's mom and dad. God became the father and mother to David and looked after him with parental love and care. David learned early in his life that the only one he could trust and depend on completely was Jehovah God. David knew that God would never leave or forsake him. Now, here is Pastor Steve with today's lesson. It may surprise some of you to know that the name of David, the name of King David, is mentioned more times in the Bible than any other person. 
I don't know if you realize that, but he is mentioned more times than any other character in the Bible, including the name of Jesus Christ. Let me put this in perspective for you. There are 14 chapters dedicated to the story of Abraham and the life of, of Abraham. Uh, Joseph has 14 chapters in the Bible that are uh, dedicated to him. Jacob, there are 11 chapters. Elijah has 10 chapters that are dedicated to his life and ministry. David has 66 chapters in the Bible that's dedicated to his life and, uh, and ministry. In fact, there are 59 references to David in the New Testament. So a lot is said about David. But of all the things that have been written about David and his life, there's one story that really stands out beyond all others. One that, that more people are familiar with than I think any other story or incident in the life of David. Even people who are not that familiar with the, with the Bible know of this story, and that's the story of David killing Goliath the giant. Many of us have grown up hearing about the story of David and Goliath. We've heard it from uh, our Sunday school teachers. We've seen pictures of young David walking around carrying the giant's uh, head in, in his hands. And uh, even today in, in the world, especially of sports, if uh, an underdog goes up against somebody who's favored to win, we say it's something like David fighting his Goliath. I mean, it's just a popular story, famous story. But I, I suspect that, that with all of our familiarity with this story, uh, I'm not always sure that we've grasped the real significance of this story. It's not just an interesting story. It's not just an interesting uh, incident that we, we can talk about. There's some real uh, spiritual significance to this story. So uh, this morning I want to probe a little bit and begin to look at the, uh, the conflict and the challenge of Goliath and David slaying his giant. Now, what we always want to do in the Bible to understand it is to see the context. As we saw last week, due to David's humility, those closest to him didn't have a clue as to how great he was. Now, we're going to lead up to where, where our writer is telling us, where, and, and what God is telling us in the story of 1 Samuel 17, which is the story of David and Goliath. But uh, David really was great. David, David was humble. David was godly, but he was really ignored by his father. He was neglected by his father. His father didn't realize how great his youngest son was. In his father's eyes, David was only fit for tending sheep. Uh, in fact, remember last week we saw when Samuel came to the to their home, to Jesse's home in Bethlehem, uh, it, it was uh, not only to anoint the new king, but it was to have a, a feast. He had an animal to sacrifice, and they were going to have a meal together. Do you realize that David's father didn't even uh, think that David was, was uh, worth inviting to that meal? All of his other sons were there, but David wasn't there. He, he wasn't even invited to the family meal. You know, that's right. He's a poor father. No question about it. Jesse was a poor father. However, it does indicate, and this is just by way of footnote, it does indicate that you could grow up in a home where, uh, where it's not godly, where maybe you don't have a, you don't have a great relationship with a, uh, a father or a mother, and uh, things are difficult in the home, and yet come out of that poor home life being godly and walking with Jesus Christ. 
And so I think we ought to be encouraged by David's life. You're not doomed to a life of continual uh, failure and struggle with sin because you come from a poor home life. But he was ignored by his father. And also, uh, as we're going to see this morning, he was disliked by his brothers. One in particular. If you notice in First uh, Samuel 17, verses 28 and 29, we'll deal with this in context, but I just want to bring you up to where we're going. It says in verse 28, Now uh, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard that he spoke to, uh, to the men, that is, David came and spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David. This was his oldest brother, angry at David. And he said this, Why have you come down? And he's talking about coming to the battle of uh, Goliath, challenging the armies of Israel. Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Notice that. Whom have you left those few sheep? All you have to do, you just have a little job taking care of a few sheep. And you're irresponsible. Have you left them with somebody? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you've come down in order to see the battle. And notice verse 29. David said, what have I done now? See that word now? This has happened before. What have I done wrong now? You're always blaming me for something. Was it not just a question? Do you get the feel here that uh, what he's really saying, I'm, I'm just asking a question. What, what have I done wrong again in your eyes? One Bible teacher put it this way. He said, in the eyes of his brother, David was an insolent upstart, a young punk, fit only for chasing a few scraggly sheep around the wilderness. And David showed that this was not a new attitude by his reply. What have I done now? Was it not just a question? David had lived with criticism from his brothers and neglect by his father. And you know what? There's a tremendous verse that David gives us in Psalm 27, verse 10. You don't need to turn now. I'll read it to you. And uh, it is apparent to me that David was expressing a reality in his own life. And he said in Psalm 27, verse 10, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Isn't that great? David understood. Uh, we don't know much about his mother. And we don't know a whole lot about his father, except he was really a poor father who neglected him and didn't think very highly of his own son. David said, if that happens to me, and it did, then the Lord will take me out. That, that's, that's just a great, great truth. And it ought to encourage you as well. So here was David. Okay, we're building a case on this. Here was David, great, he was godly, but hidden away, tending a few sheep out in the fields of uh, around Bethlehem. But the New Testament lays down this principle. And it's a principle in the Old Testament, but it's expressed very clearly in the New Testament, that if we humble ourselves, God will what? Exalt us. Very clearly the Bible says that. First Peter says that. James says that. Jesus said that. And, and that's what's about to happen to David. That's what this story is really about. The story of David and Goliath is this. In this story, God is, is actually in the process of, of plucking David from obscurity. He is in the process of exalting this man and, and presenting to the nation the greatness of David. What God saw as he looked into David's heart, he saw many wonderful qualities, but he also saw faith, great confidence in the Lord God. Nobody else knew that. God knew it, but God is now exalting David so that others around him, the nation, is going to get their first glimpse of the greatness of this man who will be their greatest king. They don't know that he's been anointed. God, through Samuel the prophet, has anointed David, but David's not reigning yet. 
But he will. The nation first has to know him and has to know the quality of the, of the kind of man that God knows he is. And that's what the story is really about. The story is really about triumphant faith. God is, is exalting David by first showing the nation the kind of faith that David had. Faith that, that uh, has victory over giants. Now you and I need to ask ourselves as we study this, how, how is this relevant for me? How is this relevant? I'm never going to fight uh, Hulk Hogan. You know, I'm never going to go up against the giant. So how is this relevant for us? How, what, what do you do with this? Well, you may never fight a, a giant like Goliath, but uh, you and I have giants in our lives. You and I have giants that, uh, that attack us regularly. Uh, they're the giants of worry. They're the giants of stress, of pressure, fears, overwhelming fears that are like giants in our lives. Uh, a bad habit that you're trying to break and you just don't seem to be able to. Uh, a besetting sin that constantly defeats you. There are issues in your life. There are uh, problems that look so big that at times we're, we're just overwhelmed. Is that not true? That is the case. All of us have that. I don't know what giants you're facing now, but, but I know that each of us uh, at times go up against enormously big problems that we just can't see how, how God's going to work it out. We don't know what's going to happen. So here's the point. Whatever giant you're trying to slay, the story of David slaying Goliath really reveals some key biblical principles to, uh, to help us to understand triumphant faith. Not just faith, but the kind of faith that has victory over the giants in your life. So how are you going to slay a giant? Well, if you want victory over a giant in your life, uh, we're going to give you some principles, beginning this morning, at least two principles, and then next week, Lord willing, uh, some more. But some principles of triumphant faith to apply. Okay? So get ready for this. Uh, I would encourage you to write this down. The uh, triumphant faith, first of all, is motivated by God's honor. It's a great truth. It's motivated by God's honor. Now, the first 25 verses of chapter 7 of 1 Samuel, you ought to turn there if you're not there yet. They set the scene for us by introducing to us three primary characters. There are three primary characters that, that the writer focuses on in these, uh, these verses. First of all, there is Goliath. So let's read verses 1 through 10. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and they camped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah, you can still see that valley today, kind of has mountains on the side or hills, and then there's a valley. And they drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with the valley between them. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze uh, greaves on his 
his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. And he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. And if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. These verses introduce us to Goliath, who is a Philistine from the town of Gath. Now, just also a footnote. um, Today, it's popular to call the land of Israel Palestine. The word Palestine comes from Philistine. It comes from Philistine. That's why I rarely ever use the word Palestine. They're not there today. It's the land of Israel, but that's just a footnote in case you wonder, where do we, where do, we get the term Palestine? Uh, it's from the term Philistine. The Philistines were uh, a people who lived along the coastal area, along the Mediterranean in, in several cities, and uh, they were the continual enemies of Israel in the days of Saul. Now, in a recent battle with Israel, the Philistines had lost to Israel. And so in chapter 17, these people had regrouped, they had reorganized themselves, they're ready for battle, but now they have a, a new tactic, a different tactic. Actually, it was very common in uh, at that time and in that culture to have this battle tactic, and this was the tactic. Instead of two armies fighting together and a lot of people dying, uh, the Philistines said, look, we're going to give you our best warrior. If you beat him, then we'll surrender to you voluntarily. We'll be your servants. But if we beat your best warrior, then you surrendered us. No sense in thousands dying. Let the two best go at it, and whoever wins, uh, the other side will surrender to them. Now, uh, that sounds good at first, except Goliath is a giant. And Israel doesn't have anybody his size. In fact, uh, we named, uh, we mentioned in the text a lot of figures, shekels, and and all this. And let me just tell you the size of some of this with cubits. Goliath is about nine and a half feet tall. That's that's how big he is. He is enormous, and it's very interesting. I'd like you uh, to to at least listen to this if you can't follow it in Numbers chapter thirteen. This is just by way of background. In Numbers chapter 13, Moses sends out some spies into the land of Canaan, into Israel, when Israel then. But uh, Numbers 13, verse 32, these spies go out, and here's what they say when they, when they uh, have come back. So they, they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, that's the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. They're saying those people are big, they're huge and there's a special group, the sons of uh, Anak who are bigger than anybody. Now, 45 years later, at the time of Joshua, In Joshua chapter 11, verse 21, we read this. Then Joshua came at that time. Now they're in the land. Now they're they're in the land and they're making conquest. It says in verse 21, Then Joshua came at that time and cut off the uh, uh, Anakim from the hill country. Those would be the sons of Anak. From uh, Hebron, from Debir, 
from Anab and from all the hill country in Judah and from all the hill country of Israel, Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities. There was no Anakim left in the lands of the sons of Israel only, watch this, here are exceptions, in Gaza, you've heard of the Gaza Strip, this is the town of Gaza, in Gath and in Ashdod some remains. Now years later, Goliath is one of those descendants of those who remained. He's from the town of Gath. And he is a giant. So there was a people who uh, genetically produced men, and I assume women, who were extremely, extremely tall. And he is really big. He's nine and a half feet tall. But that's not all. His armor and his weapons were incredible. His armor weighed, get this, about 125 pounds. Some of us can't lift 125 pounds, but this man has armor like that. He has a bronze javelin and a long spear with a 15-pound iron tip. I mean, this guy is huge. He's big. And uh, according to verse 16, what we just uh, uh, we read of chapter 17, but verse 16 says, The Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. Every day for 40 days, two times a day, in the morning and in the evening, Goliath shouted his challenge uh, to the Israelites to find one who could fight him. Find one who could fight him. So that's Goliath. Now the second principal character found in the story is Saul, king of Israel at the time. In verse 11 we read this, When Saul and all Israel heard uh, these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Saul was the logical choice to fight Goliath. You know why? Because one of the reasons he was chosen by the people is that he was taller than anybody else. So, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna shove the tallest guy out to fight their tallest guy, take Saul, but he's not gonna do it. He's intimidated like everybody else. He's paralyzed by fear. And by this time, you should know, uh, Saul is nowhere spiritually. His true character has come out. He, he's nowhere spiritually. In fact, it says in chapter 16, verse 14, that right after David was anointed, It says, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. You need never fear that the spirit of God will depart from you because in the New Testament we're taught in this day and age the spirit of God doesn't just come upon us for power. The spirit of God indwells us permanently. But back in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament days, the spirit of God had a different type of ministry. The spirit of God would come upon a person for service and power and he could very easily depart when there was sin. When he was grieved. And in this case, it says that the Spirit of God departed from Saul and an evil spirit came upon him. I take it, though there's debate exactly what this means, I take it that he was uh, uh, oppressed by a demon. That, that's what it seems to me. In any case, this man now has fits of, uh, of depression. He now is terrorized by this demon from time to time. So that's that's all. He's nowhere spiritually. He's paralyzed. He's afraid. He didn't know what to do. He's not going to fight Goliath. It'd be suicide. So we're introduced now to the third main character, and that's David. Verse 12 through 15. Now David was the son of an Ephratite of Bethlehem in Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. That is, Jesse had eight sons. And Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advanced in years among men. And the three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab the firstborn, the second to him was Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. And David was the youngest. Now the three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. Now what does this mean? 
What verse 15 is referring to that he goes back and forth from Saul to take care of Jesse's flock is this. We didn't cover it last week and and we're not really going into it much this week except that David uh, by this time has become Saul's uh, musician, his chief musician. Saul, uh, it was suggested to Saul that when he was terrorized by this demon that he get somebody who could play on the harp and come in and play soothing music and it would help him. And so someone recommended David and David becomes Saul's harpist. So whenever Saul would have a fit of depression, he would call upon David to come from from Bethlehem and to uh, play the harp, and then when he was better, he would send them back to Jesse to take care of the sheep. And that's what this is talking about. This is the beginning of a very interesting message. I'm sure you will not want to miss the next two parts of Slaying the Giant. You have been listening to Verse by Verse. It's a daily radio Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you find yourself in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning, we would be delighted to have you worship with us. Lakeside is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road. That's about midway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. These programs are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. You can find us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. You can learn more about Verse by Verse and how you can help keep us on the air. We also have many of our classes available online so that you can listen to them or download them for later. Please join us next time for the continuation of Giant Slaying. To hear it all at once, you can call us at 727-441-1714. Leave a name and a number, and we will call you back during regular office hours so that you can order a CD or a cassette. That number again is 727-441-1714. Our web address again, Verse by Verse Radio. This is Peter Silseth, and I hope to see you at the next class. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.